We're Life is Good. We created our first t-shirt back in 94 when we were fed up with the daily flood of negative news. Sound familiar? Since then, our super soft tees have been helping people make positive connections, reminding us every day that even though life isn't easy or perfect, life is good. Today, we're serving up fresh designs daily and giving 10% of annual profits to help over 1 million kids a year. Join us at lifeisgood.com and let's spread some optimism together. Marco Hoyce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hood's turn for Anthony Modest. Royce. Not a bad idea. Hey, welcome back to the BVB podcast. My name's Jake, joined as always by Carver. And in the, uh, it's been a, a little more than a year that the short time Carver and I have do, have been doing this podcast. We've been through some some ups. We've been through some downs. That's the life of a Dortmund supporter. But Carver, I don't know if I've ever through text seen you this sad and down. And I feel like we've had some pretty low moments supporting this club and doing this podcast. Uh, but this one to one draw. Of course, we're, we're going to recap the Bochum game, and it 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 hit Carver real hard. And this is is this because the last couple of weeks we've been so up and down, like we were completely like done. We thought there was no hope, no chance. Then last week, obviously, we were on a high. We're like, it's in our hands. Like the title's ours. Uh, we knew it was going to be a tough match going to Bochum because we we've dropped points there before. Uh, but Carver. How are you doing? Maybe before we get into the the why are you so sad? I mean, I know why, but just how are you doing? How how was your week outside of Dortmund? It was fine. I, that's the that's the main reason why my mood, I guess, is somewhat stabilized uh, over the past few days. It's just, I mean, I told you before we started recording, I just kind of mentally blocked out Dortmund uh, from myself these past few days, just to uh, kind of try to keep my spirits up because yeah, it's just it's just the hope that kills you, Jake. I mean, I've. I, I never mind taking L's at times. Of course, I'm not looking to support a club that's going to be, you know, flawless and picking up these wins here and there just constantly every week. But it's just the fact that I keep thinking, even though I ch- said two weeks ago that I've accepted that this team doesn't want to win the title. And then, of course, Byron throws us another huge lifeline just for us to uh, put us ourselves into another position to uh, not control our own destiny. So it's just... It's just a lot. It's it's just a lot for these supporters, you know, outside of myself. It's it's extremely draining. It's emotionally exhausting. And uh, we have a few more weeks, so <laughs> yay. When Garvin and I were texting earlier and he was like, uh, I don't, you, you okay, you did say like, I don't even care to record. You said something along those lines. I was like, what? Like, we have to record. We have to, that, that's, that's when I was like, what is, this is seriously wrong. Like something's <laughs> off. Something's way off. We we've had losses before, and we always record an episode. We're not just <laughs> you guys and covers like I'm not even up to record. I was like, oh no, oh it's, man. It's it's again. It's not even a matter of just losing because obviously we didn't lose against Bochum, and and we've had games where I'd come on here and I'm just I wanted to rant and invent. There's plenty of things that we had to talk about, but just it's just the same old stuff, and I I just I 
I just couldn't really be arsed. It's the first time that I've ever gotten like really emotional in terms of like being sad from this club. Um, I, I teared up a bit whenever I saw the result. I, I spoiled it for myself initially because I was at work for the, uh, the afternoon game on Friday and uh, came back to watch the game and I accidentally spoiled the score whenever I initially turned on the game. And I just, I it's the first time in I don't know how long that I just didn't even watch it that day. I saw the result and I was like, I don't even care. I, I, I don't, I don't really want to watch it and I'll, I'll watch it another time. And I just kept putting it off really just didn't really have the uh, energy or mental capacity to watch 90 minutes of just disappointing football. Yeah. I, I feel this is probably, this is kind of unique to probably American fans where we also like watch a lot of different clubs. Um, and I won't get too much into our local MLS club because I've, try to refrain and keep this a Dortmund podcast through and through. But I feel like this happens a lot where you get one bad result for one team you support. And then it's like the weekend continues to just rain on you. Like, you know what I mean? You need, they usually, it usually goes in tandem. We also got a very poor result uh, in our MLS club that we support. So did not the weekend, there were no ups to this weekend. It was just all sadness, but we are here to talk about uh, Dortmund. We're here to talk about the Bochum one-to-one draw. As Carver mentioned, didn't watch the game. Spoiled, too sad, completely get it. So we're not gonna we're not gonna linger too much on the game. There are some things we'll we'll point out and shoot to. And, and the obvious thing, um, Car- Carver, I'm sure you saw like the highlights in the the no call, the no PK call, um, which was late in the game. Adiyemi getting kind of slide, getting hit from behind, slide tackle like from behind in the box, which. Uh, the ref later came out and said that it was a mistake and some miscommunication like VAR didn't tell him to, to go check. But I mean, before, before we get to that point, um, start of the match, Bochum scores fifth minute. Um, great to see a reaction from us. He's scoring immediately in the seventh. Adiyemi got a goal uh, from some great buildup play, but the game ended one-to-one seven minutes in, we get two goals and the game ended one-to-one. Um, and it was kind of like that first half, the thing that stuck out to me, like we're going to get to the PK, but like we shouldn't, I don't think any Dortmund fan should feel like this and say we don't win the the title or just the fact that we drew this game. It wasn't because that no call. We had so many other opportunities throughout this game uh, to score. Like our expected goal to XG was 2.85 um, to their 0.93. Um, we had 22 shots, five big chances, uh, four of those big chances missed passing was 82% with 399 passes. Like every, everything was like, we, we were still in control of this game. We didn't look great and we missed a lot of chances. And after Adeyemi scored the goal in the seventh minute, I was fully expecting him to get a brace because he missed some other great chances. Um, I know their keeper had a great game too. Um, like he was the man of the match and like, I, I just don't, I don't want people to get too hung up on like everything is lost because of this no PK call because we should have, we should have had two or three goals before that even happened. So it goes a lot deeper and further back than just this Bochum game. I mean, we put ourselves in a position where we really, I mean, again, had destiny in our hands and we had an opportunity to clinch the title and, and on our own terms uh, with just barn slipping up in these past few weeks and again it's not just the Boca game you could 
point back to the Stuttgart game. That should have been a three points that this team should have absolutely had. Um, given the late winner with with us, uh, you can go back again to Bremen in the fall. There, there's a few other games as well that we should have obviously done much, much better and gotten some sort of result out of. So it's it's not just these two points that, you know, completely derailed our season. It's it's a lot deeper than just this game against Bochum. And uh, the first goal that we conceded, I do want to back up and say that I watched about 12 minutes of this game, at least uh, initially. Um, so I, I know that I knew the score. I knew when the goals happened, unfortunately. So I watched about 12 minutes and I was like, I just don't have the energy for this. But the first goal that we conceded was pretty stupid to concede. Uh, and we had literally every single player in our box and you had th- at least two, I think even maybe three players on, on top of the box from Bochum. And, you know, they're a great opportunity for them to get uh, a chance if we tried to clear it. And that's exactly what happened. If uh, a shot at the top of the box, it was a beautiful shot as well. And it's fortunate that Koble couldn't get to it, which is not much a keeper can do. But, you know, you could prevent that problem from even happening to begin with if you just set up differently. If you had a little bit more spatial awareness, I think there should be more communication in the box of making sure someone was outside of the box on top in case we, you know, there is a second ball to be won. And it, yeah, it's just a stupid goal to concede, which, like you mentioned, thankfully we had a good reaction right after that. But it's unfortunate that, that we couldn't uh, score another one given the chances we had. But again, just it, it's more than just a spoken game. I mean, we, we had opportunities this whole season really to get ourselves in a much better position even if we did win all four of our remaining games it would still be the lowest uh point tally by a bundesliga champion since the 2009-10 season so it's it's not even really that like Bayern sort of slipped up and we just and we just took this league by the uh by the horns and 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 you know went and clinched the title we still just stumbled pretty much every step of the way this whole season yeah, and I mean, that was the other stuff I was going to talk about too, just some other points uh, if you look at the team as a whole and how we're performing. And I, I'm glad you pr- brought up the points total because that's what I wanted to kind of compa- compare the Bundesliga uh, to like other leagues and, and points currently. Uh, just just because when you think how much we've been slipping up and we still have a chance to win, seems crazy. When you look at Bayern and... And look at like the collapse that has been happening there, and we're still like kind of in this neck and neck thing. It's like these, both these teams look like they're just like in pandemonium, and yet these are the the title contenders, and still nobody else is like you know what I mean. It's it's these two teams still. It's hot potato with the with the Meisterschale, and you look at our a record away or on the road, I and mean, we have six losses this season on the road, seven and six in total with the uh, wins and and losses, and that's just that's just unacceptable. And we only have one loss at home, and that was against Bremen. Again, that should have been another three points there. So it's um, it, it, the problem runs deep. And I just, I, I was someone that did count us out in November. And I think that's just only the logical stance you could have had in November, given just where we were on the table, our results and everything. I mean, literally, just to even get a sniff of coming back into the title race, you needed to win 10 in a row, something that never happened in the history of this football club. So yeah, I, I made the mistake of kind of getting drawn back in into um, of thinking that we we're going to pull something off this spring, given those the uh, the winning streak that we went on. And once we started to stumble again, and you kind of start to see the cracks in this uh, the team, because again, it's, it's, it's nowhere near perfect, and we have a long way to go still. I think it's 
kind of been a reality check since uh, the uh, loss against Chelsea in March. Speaking of cracks, uh, one thing I had down that I wanted to bring up, which I I have to give props to and shout out to the Gig and Press and Pod, uh, because I was, I was listening to that show this morning, and the one thing they they pointed to, and I mean it's obvious if you like follow Dortmund closely and look at our stats, but it's it's just something that I don't think people have like looked at it enough to, or it's something we probably haven't highlighted enough, like the lack of scoring. Like we we have been seeing goals dispersed throughout the team, but just not enough. Like Julian Brandt is our leading goal scorer in the Bundesliga with eight goals, which is horrendous. Like that is such a low number for a leading goal scorer. And obviously like he's not our striker. So when we've talked about Haller and everything and like Mukoko is our, Mukoko's t- tied with Malin uh, with seven goals. But you look at like Mukoko was out for a few months. Didn't even start a the like at the beginning of the season because Modest was getting the start, but you look at like the lack of production from I guess Modest. Like we definitely needed more from Modest at the start. Obviously Holler is coming back, and we know everything that's going on with his health. We're not expecting him to just have a twenty goal like season. Like we know that, but still, that's also not an excuse. Like because we needed those other strikers to step up. That's why we brought in Modest because we knew we weren't going to get a full season from Holler, a full healthy season from Holler. Mokoko has contributed some, but he was out a few months and he's still our second leading goal scorer. Daniel Mullins up there too with seven goals, but he just started hitting for him. It's just been so streaky. Like some guys will hit some streaks. Like Julian Brandt was on a hot streak too. It's not like he's, it's been this consistent thing, which is why he only has eight goals as our leading goal scorer. And I think this is a, a huge issue and one of those cracks, if not a, a big hole in our team is just this this lack of goal contribution contributions all around yeah even brant our leading goal scorer has not scored in the league since february too uh i mean he's been struggling since he picked up that knock uh, uh, away in the away fixture against chelsea so yeah absolutely at least at least from a focal point i mean i imagine Haller will be that figure next season just him still getting himself into the swing of things and and of course we talked about plenty of times already what he contributes outside of just the goals but yeah this team is still uh, got some question marks in itself of just about who's going to be that player that's going to put the ball in the back of the net and play in games like this against Boca when you desperately need a goal on. Uh, you know, you have Mukoko. Unfortunately, he missed a big chance when he came on against Boca, and I know he talked about that uh, when he, I think the recent video that came out today, on at least on Tuesday, uh, from the Dortmund YouTube channel, and he said he should have put that away, which, you know, that's a given. Um, the penalty, too, uh, that, that's, of course... The, the big talking point of this game, I have a quote here from the uh, the referee, uh, Stigemann, who said, after looking at it, it is a penalty kick in the situation with Adeyemi for Dortmund. However, I didn't see it that way on the pitch, which is <laughs> shocking to me. I have no idea. How could you have seen it? Anyway, he said the defender had a lot of pace, and I'm sure Adeyemi had put his leg in. Of course, the video assistant referee looked at the scene and addressed it. The assessment was that it was not an obvious mistake, so there was no recommendation that I watch it again myself. If I had doubts about my decision, then I would have had an option. Yes, but I didn't have them at the moment. In retrospect, I have to say, I would have been glad to look at it again. Of course, my aim is to decide everything correctly and directly on the pitch and uh, to resolve situations correctly. And I mean, that's literally the point of VAR. It is literally the point. And if not to make those sort of corrections, then it's pointless and it's useless. 
and you know the Bundesliga has had some pretty poor refereeing decision officiating decisions in recent years too so this is not the first time it's it certainly won't be the last time either uh it dates back to whenever i really started taking notice against Bayern uh in 2020 with the uh, Jerome Boateng handball and that never getting overturned either it's just it's just consistently inconsistent with how uh, whether it be the DFB or, I mean, hell, even England too, just how they use VAR. It's, it seems so arbitrary. And I, I just, I have no idea what the, the line of thinking was there from the VAR uh, officials. And especially too, from even Terzic just simply saying like, Hey, you got to look at that, right? Like, obviously. And the ref turns around and gives him a card. It's, it's, it's just so weird. And of course, it's super disappointing too. It's in such an enormous game. Uh, and it's it's pretty much unanimous across the board. You know, Bayern fans, the official himself, uh, supporters groups from all over the world all agree it was a very blatant penalty um, from Suarez. I mean, he had made no attempt to get the ball whatsoever. It was extremely dangerous. He flew in with his legs above his head. It almost looked like studs up. You name it. It pretty much every box you could tick for being a horrendous, uh, horrendously dangerous challenge it's pretty much exactly what he did so say we get that penalty and we score and win this match where do you think we'd still be sitting would we still be like have this frustration or would we be like whoo scrape by i mean i i would probably be like cool wasn't a pretty game should we should have won by more but we did it move on um which is maybe is that is that an issue too like do we there's nothing we can do, right? We can just sit here and talk. There's nothing we can actually address. But where, where where would you be feeling if we actually got the three points on this one? Just more optimistic? We're still sad. Yeah, I mean, I would I would have definitely been a lot happier, of course, if we if we gotten the win and then would still be in first in the table. But now you only have less than five games left, and I just can't imagine Bayern dropping many more points. Uh, of course, they struggled to uh, net one for the first hour against Hertha, which was a little shocking given just the literally first and dead last on the table. But, I mean, Bayern are a very dominant side who have a handful of games here coming up that they can definitely win against. I mean, they have a tough game at Bremen this weekend, but so do we. These next two home games, I mean, there are home games for the next two weeks, but we have Wolfsburg and Gladbeck. So there are going to be massive, massive tests for us to overcome, and that's if Bayern slip up again, which I, I doubt they will, but uh, I'm just, I'm trying to get back into that acceptance again of just, you know, whatever happens, happens because I can't keep, you know, pulling myself in and having the hopes of actually trying to lift the Meisterschale and then us just kind of pissing away that opportunity again. So I'm just, I'm, I'm being a little bit more of a, I don't want to say pessimist, but just I'm, I'm more of a realist. I'm, I'm just riding it out these next few weeks and just so I can enjoy the summer. <laughs> yeah. When, when Carver said, he didn't want to record anything this week. I was like, we we only got a few games left. We're almost we're almost we could almost take our little vac- vacation. Um, the, I mean, the positive. If you want to have any optimism, I'm not talking to Carver right now because he's he's gone. We've lost hope. Uh, but if you a listener want to have optimism, we have been good at home, right? That's the thing. Like where you can you can grab some hope. Um, and our last few games. Wolfsburg at home this weekend. Then we're home against Gladbach, um, away at Augsburg, which would be another test on the road. Just because like we've we've been dropping these points on the road, and yeah, like we're getting draws. Leverkusen was a draw. Bochum was a draw. Like 
you typically you would you would say or like you go into a lot of away matches and say if we can leave with the point that's good but like these matches specifically Leverkusen down on the table they're down a man because in a red card and just how that game played out like that that we should have won that game being up a man Bochum um, just I think where we're at in the season if that's an earlier game yeah we take a point on the road but where we are and like given the the contingent on the table with Bayern and they dropped those points like and we had a chance to go up ahead even more like we needed no excuses that has to be a win like we can't settle for draws here and that's where I like Augsburg away is going to be a big test um, I think you know, said uh, Leverkusen had a man down I think you meant Stuttgart Stuttgart yeah I definitely meant Stuttgart yeah, okay. Leverkusen um, but yeah coming up Wol- Wolfsburg we did we did put six past him last year that game was insane this, yeah, but this is a whole different side. This is arguably the best I've ever seen Wolfsburg, at least since I started paying attention to the Bully. Um, I mean, just under their complete uh, revitalized, they've been completely revitalized under Niko Kovac. Um, I didn't get, a, didn't get a chance to watch the game, excuse me, but they did thrash Mainz this past weekend, and that's their second win in a row. They, right before that, they 5-1 Bochum, which I thought, you know, Bochum getting thrashed on, by... On, on the road also... Yeah, show us like, come on, like we we should be doing this too. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough. I I'm not sure how this one's gonna pan out. I'm not saying we're gonna lose be, just because, you know, the only loss we have this season at home was a fluke. But I also don't feel too great about a win either. It's just I guess how the team can try to pick themselves up. Uh, I know like last week, again, just getting sucked back into it. But just all these players. Uh, the Mukoko interview, I watched that on the Dortmund channel, and just all these players having the mindset of it's now or never. We got to go and we got to grasp this, you know, and, and Terzik is there full throttle, but then we kind of just show up and uh, poop away an opportunity against Bochum. So um, uh, I'm I'm feeling more of like a 2-2 draw on this one, but I'm, I'm really hoping I'm wrong. How are you feeling? I expect a bounce back. Um, and I expect a three. I feel like my go-to is always 3-1. But I'm going three-one win again. Like I, I definitely expect a bounce back. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Say glad back. I don't know. Like, but I fully expect us to bounce back and like come out roaring in this game. Um, and then my hopes will be high again, and maybe Byron's going to drop points again, and we're going to be riding high. And I think I don't know if Carver's lost hope completely if he's ever going to come back. But until we win, <laughs> until we win at all. I think I think we'll start rowing again. If you know, if I'm proven wrong and we win against Wolfsburg, I think we'll start to really come out against Gladbeck. We can usually, I mean, I know we always usually play really well against uh, Wolfsburg, but they're just a lot more stable looking at the moment um, than Gladbeck this season. But uh, either way, do we want to hop into the Royce news? I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the episode. For those who have a little bit out of the yeah, loop these past few days, I did do I did a terrible job of like previewing exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode because it wasn't just the the Bochum recap but just I'll put one more note out there the what we have four games left three of them are at home we do have good home form that's what you can put put some hope on um, and since we have these two home games back to back like I said I expect us to bounce back and have a result against Wolfsburg if we just come out raging in that match the fact that we have another game at home can be is extremely helpful too and if we can win those two like if if we build some confidence off of Wolfsburg going into Gladbach we have a really solid performance there 
And I think that like sets us up really well to finish those last two matches strong. And of course we we still like the sad part is like we still have to rely on on Byron. So we're on Byron to watch these last few weeks too. But I, I just think our schedule right now sets us up in the best possible way for success. The only reason I guess I'm not hopping on that uh, train of optimism is just because I'm still picking up the pieces over here from the heartbreak. I'm still I'm still a bit broken inside. So I'm uh I'm just I'm just riding this way for a few more days. Again, I I just the only reason I could even have like a sort of decent weekend is just again so because I just didn't think about Dortmund. I was which is very 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 rare. Um I usually can kind of just dust those off, but yeah, this Sorry. weekend is hit different. Sorry to force you back into it. <laughs> face your face your fears, Carver. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about some good news. Um, not only Marco Royce, we are going to talk a little bit about the U.S. tour, Dortmund coming to the States this summer. But yeah, first Marco Royce, and I'll just let you take it. Yeah, finally reached an agreement with the captain, the skipper, Marco Royce, to agree to a one-year extension. Uh, it's the summer of 2024. His salary will now be a base salary of uh, 6 million euros with some options, <clears throat> excuse me, for an increase depending on performances. Uh, of course, this is going to be big in, going into this next season. If we don't clinch it ne- this season and Jude stays, I think we have a very real shot at going into it next season, just given with, you know, keeping the rest of the squad together and adding on to it and then some, and then having Royce's kind of like a a rotation player, of course, to help out with influencing some of the uh, the young players and uh, uh, being that role model coming in when needed. And he can be obviously a player in big games as well. Uh, that I think is overall very positive. And I, I don't think this will be the last extension either. I think we're just going like a, case, a year by year, case by case basis with them um, just to see how he, you know, uh, ages for the next year or so. But either way, happy to have Royce on board, of course. And uh, he can reduce his salary a little bit more. So hopefully we can, you know, uh, allocate that money to or distribute that money to other players that, um, that you know, could use extensions. I mean, Jude, of course, I think if we wanted to get him to stay, he deserves a lot more money. And I know a lot of players on this club usually don't have the kind of big salaries like that. But Jude is a player that you need to invest in. So I think that could be an option, of course. And then also just... Uh, looking at other players around Europe as well, Ben Zabaini, Fresneda from um, and in Spain. You know, he just it just depends how we're gonna go about this next month or two. The fact I, I just want to hit on real quick that you mentioned like next season and having a good chance at the title. What we talked about early, like probably it was probably our some one of our summer preview shows when we got Zula, when we got Schlatter back. Like we looked at this season as like a rebuilding year and like a revitalization almost, like bringing these these guys in and kind of like signings with Sula at least like a signing we hadn't really seen before. You know what I mean? It wasn't just the young guy. Um, it was a guy from Bayern. You know what I mean? Like in trying to like change with, with Kel, it's like you almost saw this shift of vision with Kel mm-hmm. coming in. So, and, and so like we did, what were her expectations really this season? Like, I remember thinking it as a, um, like as a building season, and excited for the future and excited for the next signings we're going to make that's just going to continue to to build and bring some experience in. You know what I mean? So the fact that we're still talking about a, a title contention is is good with me because I think before we even got this close, I, we probably made predictions too and you can rewind the tape, but I've, I don't know. So maybe I'm completely wrong and I forgot what I said completely, but I feel like I would have been 
happy with a deep Champions League run and getting second again. Like overall, you you know what I mean? Like that's what I probably expected. Yeah, if you would have asked me that we would still be competing for the league and neck and neck with Bayern come May, of course I would have been like, ah, no way. But at the same time, we also did fall out of the Pokal pretty unnecessarily. We had a great opportunity to clench the whole thing, especially with Bayern getting knocked out early. Um, I mean, we got knocked out of the Champions League from a club like Chelsea, who's in complete disarray at the moment, who, I mean, hell, they're in like 13th in the Premier League right now. So, I mean, that was very disappointing as well. I would say, you know, if if the resources are backing Terzic this summer, there is going to be more pressure on him. And I think that's just, it's more than fair, honestly, just given Rosa had one year, he didn't achieve anything, and he kind of, you know, he was knocked out of Pokal, he was knocked out of the Champions League both times, or, at, you know, in um, pretty dramatic fashion, and he got the he got the can too. So I'm not saying by any means Terzic needs to be fired or anything like that, but there will be pressure come this fall if he's not getting results because... This this is just this is too uh, good of a squad to be pissing away the quality that we have right now, especially with Jude being you know really on the clock. If we don't know if he's going to be here this summer, but if he is, I certainly won't imagine he will not be here for another uh, few years. On top of that, so this is this is the time to really try to go for it if we are serious about contending for anything. Because like you mentioned before, I mean last year we brought in players outside of the younger. 15, 16 year old Slaughterback, Sule, I mean, Haller as well. So it's, 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 we're trying to have a, like you said, a little shift in vision, trying to have a little bit more uh, maturity about our squad too and, and, and experience. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then bringing it back to Royce, I know you mentioned probably like a rotation player next year. What happens to the captaincy? Like, do we fully give that to Jude? And is that our way to make sure he stays? Yeah. That, I mean, maybe that's, um, that's going to be something that he could consider. I know he mentioned, I mean, every football, I imagine a lot of football players say this, but he did say that uh, years ago that you know, the money is not a problem to him. It's just a, an issue for him. It's just one of him wanting to implement himself into the culture of a club. And hopefully that could be, you know, another, uh, yeah, another incentive. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that's a re- like, Maybe that is a way to hook him and keep him stay. But I guess looking at Royce, like, do you see him, like, the captaincy, like, realistically staying with him? Or is it, like, do you bring Kobol into this? Like, because I, I don't see it, if Royce isn't full-on captain, I also don't think Hummels is going to be the captain. So, Bellingham and, like, who are those those other options? Like, I know we talked about leadership maybe last week or the week before, but, like, Kobol and... Brandt is a lot quieter, but Brandt is just a figure I see as far as, like, performance... But I don't know, maybe that that's where it leaves me. Like maybe it is a hundred percent Jude. Maybe it is Jude. Captain Jude next season. Yeah, I I, don't, I can't imagine Brent having the the armband at least for a while. But yeah, I mean it's a question that we need to ask ourselves for sure because leadership is something that we desperately need in the squad going forward, uh, when we're starting to face some of the older players out and have the new generation coming in. Uh, I think Schlotterbeck can be a contender as well. Uh, it just depends. I really, it just depends for me what happens with Jude and the future that he has in mind. And then we can move forward from that. Yeah. the I, I like the Schlotterbeck shout and this is kind of a weird thought, but it, like one thing that is weird to me is like Bellingham getting it like over Schlotterbeck just purely because of age. But I know he's already like that third captain role. So it makes sense if they make him captain next season. And you almost have this hinge. It's like... <laughs> get Jude to stay an extra year, make him captain, 
And then I don't know if you tell if Schlotterbeck like really wants that captaincy. It's like, hey, we're going to let Jude have her for a year and then he's probably going to go somewhere else. And then you're captain next year. Like that's yeah. a real like warped bad way to think about it almost. And I, it's weird if those conversations are happening, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of something that plays out. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, and I'm 100% interested to see, hear what you, the listener, might think. Like, who's captain next year? How, how do you see it playing out? Uh, feel free to DM us Twitter and Instagram at the BVB pod. You can hit us up on email to the BVB pod at gmail.com and we can read those out next week. Uh, maybe do some stuff, interaction on, on Twitter, maybe put out a poll or, or something. But on that note, in connecting with us and reaching out, um, we'd also love to know if you're going to go see Dortmund this summer leading into their U.S. tour. It was announced a couple weeks ago, like we probably should have talked about this earlier, uh, that Dortmund are heading to Vegas July 30th to take on Man United. Carver and I were debating a trip to Vegas, uh, but holding on to hope that we knew they were going to announce a Midwest date and can confirm we just got tickets to see Dortmund in Chicago versus Chelsea on August 2nd. Uh, really exciting that they're coming to the States and playing some good teams. I also know the the Premier League clubs are coming to do like a Premier League tournament in the States this summer. So I know it's like off season and you, the players you see are like are can be interchangeable and whatnot, but because they're coming at a like for a slightly like competitive tournament, anyways, uh, I think it's going to be a really cool showing, and it's not just going to be like the young young guys. Like we'll see some of them, but we'll see some stars too for sure. And it's going to be it's going to be some exciting matchups, um, and I'm really excited to go see them because I've not seen Dortmund in person, so it's going to be. I mean, I, I get to see Berkey a lot, but that's different. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great opportunity for any fans in the States to to see them play. I, actually, the first time I saw Dortmund play was also in Chicago a few years back then. It might have been like 2018 uh, when they had a friendly in the summer for their last U.S. tour against Man City. And uh, that was a pretty good game, won that one. I think it might have been like 1-0 from a uh, Mario Goetze penalty. I sat on the wrong side at the time. I didn't know what side each of the supporters would be on. So I found myself on the city side, unfortunately. But if anyone's curious and interested in buying tickets, it looks like according to Ticketmaster, the BVB side will be on the north side of the goal. So that's where Jake and I will be. Um, I've already had a few other people reach out and say they're going to Chicago as well. So if you are, please feel free to shoot us a message. We'd love to link up with some fans before, after the game, whatever, you name it. Um, on August 2nd and yeah excited to see the team and the states again it's going to be fun yeah and again reach out if you're not only Chicago like we're going to be the Chicago match but if you're going to Vegas too because we kind of want to link up and hear from people who are we're going to go see him as we get closer uh, maybe we, we catch up with you like after the match but it'd be really cool to link up with people in Chicago and whoever's going to Vegas please let us know so we can uh, get connected and get that figured out but yeah it's going to be awesome I think I don't think it's, I don't know if it's sold out yet, but tickets. No. You can no. find those on Ticketmaster. Um, playing at Soldier Field, Chicago. It's going to be great. Um, but with, I mean, with that, I think we're, we're going to wrap it. Dortmund home versus Wolfsburg this Sunday, 1130 Eastern. Hopefully we get the results. It's been a while since we had a game on a Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I know you mentioned Friday was spoiled for you. I like the Friday. I got to work from home Friday and watch it live. So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, Sunday Sunday morning footy. It's going to be good. Um, yeah, Carver, are you going to do anything to de-stress like, th- tonight or the rest of the week? You're playing soccer tonight? 
Not at all. <laughs> I'm still just trying to distance myself. I'm coming back. Obviously, doing the episode is helping a bit more too, but I'm just uh, focusing a lot on moving at the moment. I'm kind of in transitioning between places, uh, moving around town. So I just got my mind on some other things as well at the moment, but as it does everyone else. So um, it's been great talking to people online still and everything like that. Uh, I'm hoping... I don't know if I'm just kind of throwing you on the spot, Jake, but I'm hoping we can maybe do a live stream soon. If anyone's listening on YouTube, uh, we're looking to watch a game with some of the viewers and just kind of interact with you guys while we watch a game. So um, keep in touch and, and, and we'll keep you posted in case we do find out a date for that here soon, maybe towards the end of the season. Yep. Um, and then I know I said I might not be, we talked about doing it this weekend. I might not be able to, but I was, was going to say this weekend, my first weekend off of work since our season started so that's oh you're not going i'm not going uh which is gonna be weird i'm still gonna watch the game but i'm not going and i'm just gonna be i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> but it's gonna be weird i'm not traveling which will be good i know when monday rolls around i'm gonna be like oh that was nice it was nice not traveling mm-hmm. yeah i bet no it's gonna be a more relaxing weekend for sure uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, make sure again, you can follow us, Twitter, Instagram, hit us up on email. If you get that and want to find our YouTube also, like we said, we're working and, and trying to figure out some more YouTube content for the future. Um, so you can find the links to everything in the description of this episode and we will see you guys next week. If Carver's up to record, <laughs> if we lose, Carver might make me do a solo show. We'll see how that goes. It might be the last episode ever. <laughs> just just hang it up. Last week was our first episode. Yeah. On the high. And then we'll see. Maybe we only do, maybe that's, we, we just wrap there. Yeah. Short and sweet. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Bye.